This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 277. I think managing, understanding projects is easier than we think. We make it complex, but actually it should not be. I think we can understand projects in a much simpler way than what we do today. Hi, and welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. This is the podcast that's dedicated to your personal and professional growth. It's my mission in life to spur you on to do more reading, more intentional and consistent reading to be specific. And your first thought might be, well, okay, that's great, Jeff, but where do I begin? Well, the Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable ideas uh, from the books we're digging into and from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. We are about to be joined by Antonio Nieto Rodriguez, author of the book, The Project Revolution, How to Succeed in a Project-Driven World. I've got a number of questions lined up for Antonio. Among them, I plan to ask about the future trends at work with regard to how project management is affecting roles, some of the differences between project management and project leadership, Antonio's Project Canvas framework and how it can help simplify your future projects, whether at home or at work, and much, much more. I am embarrassed to admit that I learned only last week of something that my local library has been doing for a few years at least. Every quarter, in fact, they have a book sale. They do it on the last Saturday of the first month of each quarter. Well, I caught wind of this last week and went to it this past Saturday and came home with about, I think, 13 books for right around $20. A couple of books from Seth Godin that I didn't have, a book from Peter Drucker, a Pat Lencioni book, David Allen's Getting Things Done, and Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. I mention that because I encourage you to check with your local library to see if they do something similar. I've heard since finding out about my local library's book sale that a number of libraries across the country and around the world do the same thing to help raise money. They also, of course, accept your donations. And as my office is busting at the seams with books, I'm looking now to be donating some very, very soon to my local library so that they can go on the shelves and or be used in future book sales. So for great deals on awesome books, check to see if your local library holds occasional book sales. Antonio Nieto Rodriguez is one of the world's leading authorities and thinkers on projects and project leadership. He was awarded the Thinkers 50 Award called Ideas Into Practice and is a visiting professor at Duke CE, that's corporate education, i.e. business school and Skolkovo business school. His new book, uh, which has been out for a few months now, is called The Project Revolution, How to Succeed in a Project-Driven world. I'm excited to have him here. Antonio, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. Thank you, Jeff. It's such an honor to be in your podcast. I've been following it and I love your interviews. So really a pleasure to be here with you and your listeners. Oh, so very kind of you. Thank you so much for, for saying that. I want to thank Dory Clark, who has been on the show a couple of times, who was responsible for introducing Antonio and me. So, Dory, if you're listening, thank you so much uh, for making that, that introduction. Well, first, I thought we'd have you share a bit, Antonio, about the trends you're seeing uh, with regard to, to project-based roles. What, what will the growth in this area, in your view, look like in, in the years ahead? 
Well, Jeff, this is nothing new. I think there's a slow, there has been a slow transition mm. between day-to-day -day activities, uh, what we call operational work, towards project-based work. This has happening year after year with new introductions. The focus of improvements in the businesses has always been around the day-to-day. -day. How can we do that faster? How can we do that cheaper? How can we automate? But what had and in the last years is there has been an acceleration mm. due to this the need to uh, react faster, become more agile, more nimble. What you see is that the life cycles are faster and, and companies are in the need to, uh, to move towards projects uh, much uh, quicker than before. So there has been acceleration in the last five years, I would say. So now you can see it happening in, your, in, in, in real life. So that means that, uh, for example, Jeff, I was talking to somebody in IBM and and they were actually considering canceling all the job description, which has been there for maybe 70 years. I don't know when was the job description created, but imagine because they realized that people are not working in the job descriptions anymore. Mm. Yeah, there's a piece of paper with some responsibilities. <laughs> they were noticing that they were working on the priorities of the business. And so they're moving from job descriptions to project roles, meaning that uh, people will work in a project for six months, nine months, and once the project is over, they move to the next one uh, with a different role or the same role. So the, the transformation is going to be big because we will not have this career path that we used to have, mm. and it's going to be all much more, um, I think, entertaining for everybody. Mm, I like the sound of that, for sure. Well, with your years of experience, Antonio, what, what are some of the the bigger lessons you've learned uh, heading up you know, numerous and, and, and varied uh, projects over the years? Well, I think the opportunity to be in the business, I'm still currently in the business uh, in large organizations. So this is a big banking, big consulting company. Uh, BNP Paribas, Big Pharma company, mm. where I apply my theories, basically. I apply the theories I see from others, and I apply my own theories. And what I've learned is basically that projects, managing one project is very complex because there's so many variables that we don't, cannot predict within the company, outside the company. So, But what I found even more challenging is that uh, companies don't have just one project. That would be a luxury. They mm -hmm. have hundreds of projects. So uh, the problem is much bigger. We're talking about 30 40% of the resources of an organization who are working project. And, and that becomes a, a management issue, a CEO issue. Mm -hmm. How can we do better projects? Not just one, but uh, in general, how can we implement change keep growing uh, in organizations. So that's one of the biggest challenges is how to manage the bulk of projects, the whole process of selecting, executing projects, allocating resources, priorities. The other thing that comes across very clear is that launching a project is very, very simple and is very cheap. It doesn't cost any money uh, because you just call a kickoff. Yeah, you, mm. we all have kickoffs. So <laughs> we have kickoffs every week. But then the follow through, the, the actual planning of the project, the execution, that's where things get difficult and people start to know, let's go to another kickoff better than <laughs> an implementation meeting. So launching projects is very cheap, very, very, very easy. And we need to do that more difficult. We need to make, say, what are the trade-offs from the beginning? So I think we, we, 
which this leads one one very interesting reflection, Jeff, I come across often is there are companies which have more projects than people working, employees. Mm. So, yes, this is another of the challenges. Which projects do we start? Which ones we close? and how we allocate the resources to execute those projects. So I think these are some of the challenges that I see mm. happening uh, on, on most of the sectors, on most of the companies. So I think there's a lot of room for improvement. On the other side, if I may, Jeff, I think actually managing, understanding projects is m- more or is easier than we think. Mm. Is we make it complex, but actually it should not be. I think we can understand projects in a much simpler way than what we do today. So I think there's a lot of room. And what I'm trying to bring here is some simplicity in how we select and, and manage projects. Mm-hmm. Related to that, uh, when it comes to project management, you, you write that it's it's moving more to project leadership. Uh, what, what's, the, what's the difference when, when you make a, yeah. a, a, a distinction between those two? What do, what do you mean? Very good question, Jeff, because I, I think there's a couple of big differences. Uh, of course, we still need project management. And, and the difference for me, project management is once you have the plan, you execute the plan and, and that's your target. And, and, and you will make sure that the team is, is progressing and delivering according to the milestones. So that would be a more hands-on management of the project. However, I say about the leadership is becoming more relevant because of a couple of factors. What you see is that projects today in organizations are transversal, meaning they touch different aspects of the business, of the units, of the uh, geographies. So it's a sort of managing a matrix and to engage people who are not working for you directly because most of the people have other jobs or other projects. It requires more leadership than management. It's about convincing people that they should be working for your project, engage them. So it's about engaging people, you know, how difficult it is to, to engage people nowadays. So it's that's what I mean about leadership. Projects need even more engagement than other types of work because often you're not fully dedicated to this project. So every Monday you need to work on them and then the motivation goes down unless you have a good leader. So mm. that's where I see the change. is is less linear. It's more about the soft skills of the projects that you need to engage today than in the past. The complexity is bigger, the number of stakeholders is bigger. Mm. So that's what I refer when I talk about the move from manager to leader in the project space. Yeah, and, and before the company competency, competencies <laughs> were considered tactical and, ir- and irrelevant for senior roles in organizations. And you're saying that's that's what's what's changing, going from the hard skills to the soft skills. Am I getting that right? Absolutely. Jeff, I've been in projects for maybe 25 years and, and I noticed, not just me around my my peer colleagues, that project was nothing very relevant in the businesses. It was all about sales, it's about uh, cost cutting, it's about mergers, but actually project management was something that was pulling uh, off people, uh, especially at the top of organization. It was seen as something IT-related or engineering not very strategic. Uh, I felt that and I can tell you I was the chairman of the Project Management Institute, the largest association around projects based in the U.S., Philadelphia, but 
quite global. And, and the, that was kind of the general feeling. We are not appreciated. The value that we bring uh, is not really perceived or seen like that. And, and that's luckily changing. I think nowadays most of the leaders understand the importance of building competencies about project management. Maybe they call it more implementation competencies, execution competencies, but that's around the leading projects from the beginning till the end. So there's a big shift very positive and I can tell you from my own experience it's really hard to find good project leaders who Mm. can uh, move an organization shake it because we are rather used to conform and 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 so it really it's a shake up and and these are people which are scarce today Mm. Uh, one of the many things that that sets this book apart is is the tool that Antonio has created to help anyone uh, tackling a major project I'm talking Antonio of course about the project canvas framework. Now, this is easy to understand. The breadth and scope of this is is rather extensive, but very easy to understand. I thought maybe we could have you share a bit about the four domains that you've identified in the project canvas and and maybe a summary of some of the dimensions we might find within each of those. Sure. I think that's the highlight of my book. The project revolution is the canvas. It's it's an inspiration that I got from uh, the business model canvas, uh, which is very popular from Alex Osterwelder and Yves Pignon, mm. uh, who are friends. Uh, I, I'm, I'm lucky to mm-hmm. to be connected. Same as uh, Dory Clark is the same group of, of people. And, and I think what's uh, great about that concept is that everybody can understand mm-hmm. something that I saw after working so many years in projects is that project management, the theories, the methodologies, the tools were uh, developed by engineers for engineers, Jeff. So Mm. if you're not an engineer, but you need to deal with a project, you will not deep dive into these methodologies. (laughs) um, The names, they're already scary. the techniques like critical path or, or work breakdown structure and that was pulling off the people and uh, my goal with this book and this tool is to simplify no actually you can manage a project you can manage your wedding you can manage your move you can manage a digital transformation MA project you can uh, mm-hmm. with these tools that actually I try to make accessible to anybody 18 year old or, or a 50 executive can use that so that was the the main driver for this and, and actually doesn't exist this tool for projects there's uh, it's it's all very technical and in terms of the structure is a one pager which I'm happy to share with the listeners it's a, in one pager in one canvas you can find the four domains that you mentioned Jeff and under each domain there's some other elements so it's about 14 areas that we should cover for having a good project but mm. uh, let's focus on the domains and the first part is the why so it's structure around questions uh, which is very popular nowadays but the why we've seen that for always start with the why mm-hmm. by Simon Senek and and the importance of the why often we don't ask ourselves uh, back to my uh, earlier comment where it's very easy to start a project we start projects without really knowing why mm. it's just uh, an idea or a vague idea and then we decide to invest resources to launch a project so it's very very important to understand why we do the project is what's the problem we're trying to solve uh, or what's the opportunity we're going to capture often you see people saying we're implemented a new CRM system yes but why because <laughs> the old one is old. Yeah, no, but why? Why do we do it? Because we just 
to hurt the vendor that this is the new. No, why? <laughs> and, and actually by pushing people to think the wise, because we want to increase market share. We want to know more about our customers so that we can offer the best products to meet their needs. And that's a why. That's the why of the CRM system. Mm. So it's a bit of common sense, but you cannot imagine how many projects I talk or project managers who don't know the why. Mm. And then the other thing that you are used here is you built a business case. So that's the, the first step that people tell you to do when you do a project. But have you ever seen a bad business case? No. <laughs> they all look great. Because they want to be picked up. So, yes, it's important to have business cases. But there's many projects who had terrible business case. I can talk about the Concorde, for example, if you remember mm. Concorde built by British Airways and, and Air France. They were planning to sell 250 planes that there was a market for it. They built 12. <laughs> So the business case was great, 250 planes, we will sell them, they sold only 12. So mm. that's completely uh, wrong. Mm. Uh, you have the opposite where the business case was very small and then it exploded. So I think business case is more a thinking process to look at the cost and the potential return. But mm. what I focus on the why is, is the rationale and the purpose, purpose of the project. What are we trying to achieve? That will engage the people. One of the biggest challenges today in projects is the engagement. We all start very excited after six weeks, the engagement drops. So by pushing the why and the purpose of the project, you keep the engagement of the people. Mm. So that will be the first dimension. Thank you. Yeah. And so we covered why. The next part is who, correct? Yeah. That's the other big challenge that you see nowadays is um, it's the who is about the governance is who does mm. what. And not only that, but it's about the sponsor, the executive who will be supporting that project. And and actually, many of the executives I talk to, they don't know that role. They, they think that it's a paper role. It's, uh, it's nice to have as many as possible. I, I talk to executives where they say, well, I'm the sponsor of 20 projects, the 20 most important projects. And I said, you know what that means? You know how much time you should be dedicating to each of these projects? Mm. You know that 40% of the success of the projects is in your hands? Wow. Um, so I think that there, that one is a big change in the mindset. And I talked to some executives where, where I asked them, how many projects are you sponsoring? These are CEOs. And they say, well, I'm in about 17. And how many of these 17 are going well? They say, well, actually, I'm three. I'm actually sponsoring actively. I go to the meetings. I chair the steering committee. I take decisions. These three projects are going great. They, they were tough, but were successful. The other 14, I'd never show up in any meeting. I cannot. I don't. And they were a disaster. Mm. So the sponsorship is a role that people need to understand, especially when you talk to executives, senior leaders. Just take those projects, which make a difference where you can dedicate time, you can be with the team, you can dedicate a couple of hours per week, not per month, to support and push that project. So that's the whole section of the who is, is the executive sponsorship because it plays a, a crucial role in, in projects and it's often ignored. And the second part of that 
dimension is the governance. So who does what, mm. making sure that there's a project manager, make sure that the team is identified, everybody knows what to do, because that's often uh, a bit confusing. Uh, who's doing what? And you're expecting the other team members to be ready and they're not ready. And that leads to project delays. And, and if you're asking some of these questions before you begin a project, sometimes you realize we don't need to be doing this project at all. Is that is that correct? Absolutely, Jeff. You cannot imagine how eye-opening these simple questions are. We say, well, the why is not very clear. Why don't we take a few more weeks to mm. discuss the why before setting up a project and kicking off? And that, that couple of weeks of extra thinking and exploration can save you months later on in the project. So you're absolutely right. Mm. can be a very much eye-opener, which is the case when I put this in place. Now, in the next domain, there are a total of nine dimensions. We don't have time necessarily to cover no. all nine, but uh, talk about the next domain, Antonio, and maybe highlight one or two of the dimensions within that domain. Yeah, so this is what would be core project management is the what, the how, and the when. Mm. Um, I, I think this is why it's so extensive in the in my canvas. It's really the, all the areas that we cover normally in project management. There's two big sections here. Is one the hard part of project management. Mm. It's about scheduling, estimating, defining what you want, and the soft skill, which is becoming very important nowadays. About fifty percent is about the the people, the communication, change mm. management, stakeholder management. So that's how I split that dimension. If you want one point, which is very important in this dimension is the time. I think you have to have a time deadline in your project. If you launch a project without a deadline, uh, people will go diffuse. There will not be pressure. You want deadlines in your project, maybe one which is clear for everybody. That will drive performance. That will drive focus. You have that in the best projects, always a clear deadline. Mm. Going from Olympic Games, uh, which even despite some countries being just last minute, like Brazil recently or Greece, the Olympic Games, it helps to get there, to get the project happening. Another very, very, very famous case is the man in the moon, which is now the timing we all are talking 50 years ago, mm. the most important part of JF Kennedy, big bet, it was not putting the first man on the moon. It was by the end of the 60s. If you would have not put by the end of the 60s in his message, maybe we have never got to the moon just to show the power of deadlines. Very good. And then the last domain is? It's called the where. So projects are part of an organization, are part of a country, are part of your own personal life. So if you have many, many projects and, and your project that you're trying to implement is not a high priority, there's other 15 projects more important, mm -hmm. that project will struggle mm -hmm. because you will not get the attention, you will not get the best resources. So it's important to know the priority of your project, where it's going to be implemented, how much focus you will get and support from the organization. There's some organizations organizations who are really agile, were project-based. Uh, you see that in China, Alibaba, for example, is a super project-based organization where uh, projects are supported from day one till the end after they go into a business and they become entrepreneur, the project manager. So that kind of organizations, very agile, Chinese, Asian, they're, they're, they're striving today because of that where part, which is very much appropriate to thrive on projects. And we shouldn't see that in, in Western world. Mm. We're still very, very hard to change. Our structures are 
are very hard to adapt. One of the my favorite parts of, of of this chapter that covers the the project canvas is after each dimension. Antonio has oftentimes an example, but then also key questions to ask in regard to that dimension, tools to use, what to do to ensure project success in that particular area. So well done, Antonio. Well done. Thank you. Really got a lot out of that. Uh, why do you say that resistance to a project should always be assumed? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm sure after all the people you talk that people don't like to change. (laughs) Often it's not their willing. I think as human beings, we need the safety. We need to feel comfortable to perform. We don't perform the same when things are changing or jobs or organization. We perform when there's some stability. So projects bring change. So there's always somebody who's not going to appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And you're prioritizing because when you choose a project, you say no to many others. So right. some people uh, you're leaving behind. Uh, some options are not being covered. I was reading again back to the, the moonshot that at the beginning of that project, 63, 64, there were some people complaining about that project because there was a lot of investment going there and mm. not other parts of uh, the U.S. So there's always somebody who's not happy. And I always say, find it, find that person and talk to them. Try to find a compromise, try to influence them so that they change their mind. They see the positive side. Of course, it's never easy if you're going to fire people in your project. It's about cost reduction. Uh, You're talking about very sensitive areas, but it's always better to talk to the people who are against your project. You learn something that maybe you don't hear from other uh, members of your project. Yeah, and it can and it can improve the process too, right? When you take time to reach out to those who are resisting. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the, the moonshot from the '60s. What are some of your other favorite examples from history, Antonio, of of well executed projects? Well, I, I love one which is close to my uh, uh, country of origin, Spain. Uh, wow. I'm from Madrid, but there's one project which I would like to highlight here, Jeff. Maybe according to the project management traditional way of looking at projects is not the greatest project, but mm. it's something that I'm trying to propose now because I want to reinvent project management as well, is the Sagrada Familia. This is a church which is emblematic in Barcelona. Mm. It's a beautiful, very modern kind of church which started to be built in 1882. Unfortunately, the first architect died early, so there was no follow-up. Everything has been passed on, the plans and the design. Mm. Uh, But what's interesting about this project is that two things I learned while talking to them. First, I went to see them and say, listen, are you not ashamed that your project, Mm -hmm. which started in 1882, is not 10 weeks late or 10 months late or 10 years late. It's about 100 years late. (laughs) And, and, And they say, no, Antonio, we're not ashamed. You know who our client is? I said, no, who is your client? God is your <laughs> client. The church is God, and he is not in a hurry. You are in a hurry. <laughs> so I said, okay, yeah, you're right. It's not always about time. Sometimes projects will have other priorities. So we need to learn, understand better if it's quality, if it's a cost, it's a whatever. But uh, I think that was a good learning. The second learning with this project, which is 
also a, a bit of a revolution in the way we look at projects is despite being 100 years late or more, that project is making benefits. So every year, every day, they have um, thousands of visitors and tourists and, and sponsorships. So they make millions every day. So it's a project which has not been finished and might never be finished, but is delivering benefits mm. to the city, to the church. Uh, so I think projects can deliver benefits even if they're not finished. We need to shift the way we look at projects to be much more agile and, and looking at how can we make impact with this policy, with this project much faster in our teams, in organization, and not wait 12 months or 15 months to start getting any of this. So I love that project because it's very different. Of course, there's many, many amazing projects that I could spend hours sharing with you. <laughs> but um, yeah, this one is particular because it changes the way we look at projects. Mm, well said. Well, Antonio, I, I want to ask a couple of questions in the time we have left that aren't directly related to the book. But before I do that, anything else from the book you want to make sure we walk away with? I think basically what I claim here is that we are all going to be project managers mm. if we're not already. I will never be an engineer. I will never do HR maybe, but I know that we are going to be doing projects now and for the rest of our lives. Mm. You, Jeff, your listeners, uh, it's something that happens privately, professionally. So I would encourage people to learn a bit. You don't need to be a 100% expert, but by learning some of these techniques, you can be much better off. So I think that's a big message. Everybody is or is going to be a project manager, and this is going to continue and increase. And to learn more about that, then your next step is to buy Antonio's book, The Project Revolution, for sure. Thank you. Uh, save, you save you a lot of time and headaches. Uh, well, Antonio, th uh, think about the books you've read the last few years or over the course of your career. Well, what are, are maybe the two or three titles that, that come to mind as having had a, a big impact on you? And, and if you have some examples, maybe share how or why they impacted you as they did. Yeah, good question, Jeff. I, I love what you're saying on your podcast. It's about keeping learning, keeping reading. Mm. And we do that less and less with this, the smartphones. I'm not sure they're smart anymore, but you just <laughs> read for, for five seconds and you flip to the next one. So I think there's a lot of uh, call for action for people to keep reading books. And, and, and I love what you're doing. So thank oh, you for that. As I teach at uh, university and uh, business schools, I always recommend uh, one that I love was the golf. This one was uh, from Elion Goldratt. The golf was the first kind of, I, I, I used to like novels, to read novels, but this one was a novel with business. It was about how you manage processes and production in a bottleneck. While the story goes about the product manager and his life and his decisions. So the goal was a revolution for me because it made management simple and still make the story very, very interesting. Mm, the goal. You know, it's, it's interesting. I've been doing this show for just over six years and I've never had two consecutive guests recommend the same book until now. Wow. Last week's guest, John Rossman, who is a former executive at Amazon and helped launch the Amazon Marketplace, which now accounts for more than half of, of all revenue at Amazon.com wow. or sales or at Amazon.com. He recommended the exact same book. That's the first one he mentioned. So what that tells me is, is I need to go out and get that book. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good one. Yes. Love it. Love it. Well, I, I know you uh, do a fair amount of speaking. You've done a TEDx talk and others. Any tips? for delivering an effective, impactful, memorable public talk, Antonio? Yeah, for me, my learning has been self-learning. I, I try to copy 
things from the people I enjoy. Mm. And as non-English speaker, the challenge was a bit bigger. I tried to, when I started to pretend to speak British English from mm-hmm. Cambridge, so trying to put accent, it was a disaster. <laughs> uh, I think uh, first everybody can speak in public. I think it's a healthy mm. practice, and 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 I always recommend my students to not be feel ashamed. I think we're born with that shame thing, which is not good for anybody. Uh, don't be afraid and be yourself. I think people love when you're yourself and, and you say, well, this part I don't know very well, but this is what happened to me. This is what I learned. This is what I think you should be. So be authentic. Don't be afraid of telling bad stories. I always say that I was fired in my career a couple of times. That's what people like most uh, when you see afterwards the, the kind of recognition. Uh, so I think be yourself uh, and, and, and be authentic and, and don't pretend. Don't pretend and don't, don't sell air and, and people will like you. I'm sure there's something that they like about you or your speech. I, lo- I love it. When you first said tell bad stories, at first I thought you were saying don't tell stories well, but then I realized you, you, <laughs> you meant don't be afraid to tell the stories that aren't, aren't necessarily the ones you are proud of. Share the, share the bad moments with the good moments. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you said it better. Exactly. <laughs> people will love that. People love that part. Yeah, it's, it's so much more relatable, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I, the book has not been out for too long, but I want to ask you if, if you know or, or are willing to share, uh, what are you and your team excited about that's coming up in the near future? Anything you're working on that uh, you want to talk about? Well, I'm working on the next book. I didn't want to write another book. You know how difficult is that? But the offer was too good to say no. So, yes, another book is coming out in September. Mm. And I think what I'm, what I'm passionate is about keep uh, spreading the word uh, about doing projects better. And, and things are coming to more publications, more speaking engagement and helping people. So there's some projects in development world to provide these tools for people to do their projects better. So I think there's a lot coming out and, uh, and I'm really happy to exchange with people and help them to do projects better, to create a better living for everybody. That's my ultimate goal. Mm. Well, it certainly helped me in regard to projects that I manage. So I'm, I'm looking forward to putting oh. a lot of this into practice. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, the book, again, is called The Project Revolution, How to Succeed in a Project-Driven World. Antonio, thank you so much for being with us today. It means a lot that you would accept this invitation. And I uh, thank you very kindly. Thank you, Jeff. It was a pleasure. Thank you for the questions. When the same book is recommended by two authors two weeks in a row, that's probably a sign it's a book worth checking out. Again, that was called The Goal. Uh, So I'll put a link to that in the show notes, along with the other resources that Antonio and I shared and links to connect with Antonio on social media, if you like. Thank you again to two-time former guest and probably at some point future guest, Dory Clark, for introducing Antonio and I and introducing me to this book. Next week, we are scheduled to have Scott Jeffrey Miller on the podcast. He serves as Franklin Covey's Executive Vice President of Thought Leadership and is also the host of On Leadership We'll be talking about his book, Management Mess to Leadership Success, 30 Challenges to Become the Leader You Would Follow. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are as well. For questions, comments, or feedback about Read to Lead, you can email me directly. That's jeff at readtoleadpodcast.com. Well, that'll do it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time for the next episode of the Read to Lead podcast. Until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead.
buy to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.